Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the 74th edition of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. Uh, I am here, as always, with my worthy constituent, uh, Dr. Murray McCormick, um, <laughs> rough rider, beat rider extraordinaire. Uh, each week, we uh, pick a uh, rider uniform number from today or yesteryear to correspond with the number of the uh, podcast, this being number 74. Uh, McKenna Henry is the current yeah. rough rider. Chris DeFrance, once upon Big a time, one. wore number 74. Dan Rasevich. Red Ettinger from the night, also from the 1950s, Stan Williams. So here's the number 74 of the Rough Riders. And here's the number 17 of the Rough Riders, Joey Walters, who in 1981 was part, and 82 was part of a prolific receiving duo alongside, slot back tandem alongside, uh, Chris DeFrance, number 74. It's Joey Walters' 65th birthday today. So Joey, happy birthday from us and I'm sure from the entire Rider Nation. Uh, a game of some significance. Uh, on Saturday at 2 p.m. at Mosaic Stadium, the Edmonton Eskimos are here to face the Rough Riders, and there's only first place at stake for the Rough Riders. Um, this doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, in the life of Gainer the Gopher, who was born in 1977, the Riders have only finished first once, that being 2009. They won a game against Calgary 30-14 to on November 7th, 2009 to clinch first place in the in the West. A somewhat comparable scenario awaits. They beat Calgary, beat Edmonton on Saturday. First place is theirs. Um, how many great cups how, have they won in that time? They've won three great cups while finishing first place <laughs> once. once. <laughs> I think it was interesting reading Brendan Tamman's column today about first place and how little it actually means. I always find this year kind of funny that we spend a whole lot of our time making a big deal out of the regular season, and then all they talk about is the importance of the home playoff game and playing in the playoffs. So it's just a a little thing. I think there's no reason why they shouldn't win this game on Saturday. There's, I think they proved in this, like, maybe they can get in a longer second half again or halftime break. They pretty well played into the riders' hands because the Eskimos had all the momentum going into Saturday's halftime break, and then they, that lasted the fireworks, the plays, and the power outage and stuff, and the riders came out. A better, they're playing like the old team, so maybe if they get the some halftime show that extend things, maybe it'll work out. Oh, once them. upon a time, if they could almost rely up if, if they were playing at the old stadium, maybe they could hope for power outage or something. Well, it's kind of I thought, and no one there's no announcement until a couple of minutes, so they're actually back on the field. I thought it was because the the lights were turned out, turned down because of the fireworks. Which who has a fireworks display at halftime? Which is another bit of a thought, but I also thought about Mosaic Stadium. It's all LED lighting, so it's just switching on the switch and switching it off. So that's a no, Mosaic Stadium, or Commonwealth, the 76, I think it was built? Um, Somewhere it around. opened for the 70. The first major event was the 7. No, it was 78. 78. They had the Commonwealth Games there in 78, and I went to the last regular season game at Clark Stadium okay. in well, uh, 1977. The Riders lost 38 nothing. It wasn't a but good still day. an older stadium. Still Walters beautiful. had an interception that good day. Good for them. So it was still an older stadium, still a beautiful stadium as far as yeah. I'm concerned. It's still one of the, the treasures in the CFL, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. But... Come Saturday, uh, you know, it's going to be white. It's going to be wintry. It's, you know, on the falling on the heels of the Heritage Classic, it's going to be a winter football game regardless. And I don't think any reason why the Riders shouldn't win that. The Eskimos have nothing to play for, nothing other than to avoid injuries and maybe get Trevor Harris a little better tuned up because his second half wasn't, well, he got the tiny you, touchdown. You never know, though. The yeah. final game of the 1976 regular season, the Riders had to clinch first by beating Calgary, winning in Calgary, and Calgary was having a horrible season. They had nothing to play for, and the mm -hmm. Riders did not lead that game until Ron Lancaster hit Rhett Dawson for a three-yard touchdown pass on the final play from scrimmage. And that was a Calgary team that had nothing to play for, and the Riders trailed 24 nothing and 27-8. to So I don't think you can presume a victory here just because Edmonton's not playing for anything, because 
back in November of 76, Calgary wasn't playing for, for, for but anything. Don't you, and they threw a real scare into the Riders that day. And uh, Don't you think they're trying to stay healthy? They want to get sharp for the playoffs. It's almost like a preseason game, playing for the first half. No, it's not. No, Edmonton is. Oh, for Edmonton, okay. Sorry, Edmonton is. Yeah, Edmonton playing for the first half, see what they do, and then the second half, try to Logan Kilgore yeah. and all those guys and just sort of – But unless there's a lot of pride. Like, I think Jason Moss has a lot of pride and he wants to beat the Riders. They would love to have the Riders finish second. They can – or whatever's gonna, wherever they're going to end up and not first. So I think that's well, – It doesn't really matter to them, though. No. Somebody's going to finish first. Somebody, it's not going to yeah. be Edmonton. But it's just – what did you think of Edmonton on Saturday, Rob? I thought they played pretty well, uh, at least in the first half. Trevor Harris, to the extent that he plays, if he plays at all, is a puzzle. Yeah. He gets rid of the ball so, so quickly. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to say, yeah, the Riders didn't get any pressure on, on Trevor Harris, and they didn't. But how do you get pressure on him? Yeah. Uh, it's no different than, remember when Ottawa came here last year, and uh, they won, and Trevor Harris had one of those days where he was on, and yeah. you couldn't get to him. Bang, bang, ball's gone. And that's what he did, by and large, to the Rough Riders yeah. On Saturday, when he when he was effective, and uh, so there's that there's that puzzle when you if you're facing Trevor Harris for any duration, he just gets rid of the ball so fast that you can't get pressure on him. So the the issue becomes you'd better be able to cover. Yeah, but also keep him off the field. And I think we have to give the riders a bit of offense, a bit of credit for staying on the field for long, for extended drives that kept Trevor Harris not in position until later in the game when he got that tying touchdown. But the offense was on the field a lot. Which is something we're not we're still getting used to, and I think that's kind of overlooked. Cody Fajardo gets his fourth game-winning drive, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. When you know it's uh, how he's doing this. Do you think he's doing it with smoke and mirrors, or how do you think he's doing this? After a while, it stops. Be it's not. It's a if you do it once or twice, okay, mm-hmm. uh, that can happen. But when you do it repeatedly, to the as well as he has done, and when you're it's not like he's walking into gift wrap situations. Mm-hmm. Look at look at where the Riders started with the ball inside their ten the yard section, line. Yeah. It's no no different than the Labor Day game, and mm-hmm. he marches them systematically down the field and makes key second down passes. That pass to Naaman Roosevelt. Oh yeah, that was what a, an absolutely yeah. beautiful pass. It's not going to knock you out in terms of numbers. It was a modest gain what they mm-hmm. needed at the time, but what an amazing like throw. That, that Winnipeg pass when he completes one to Kyron Moore for seven yards and takes him out of the shadow of the goalpost. Not. In the big picture things, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a seven-yard reception, but it's a seven-yard reception that now you're not backed up against your goal line and you got you have room to move. So, And I think we talk about Cody Fajardo a lot. I'm wondering if we should start talking about Stephen McAdoo a little bit more because that was a well, all passing plays in that last drive and all good plays. That, and you threw a couple away. Cody made a couple calls. But this time last year, they were, we were kind of ready to barbecue Stephen McAdoo because of the way the offense was performing. But this year... They're, they're they're rolling, and oh. he's taken a second year, first year quarterback starter, sorry, and turned him into an MOP candidate. And I know it's Steve Walsh too, but Steve Stephen McAdoo's making the calls, and he that was a great, well designed, well called drive. I don't think you can. The Winnipeg one was a good one. The one against Hamilton, where Cody scored, was a good one. The one against Montreal was another good drive. So maybe. I'm not saying he's perfect or anything, but maybe Stephen McAdoo does a little, does a little love from Rider well, Nation. Take a look at his body of work. 2016 is a write-off because that they didn't have an offensive line. They couldn't protect Darian. Although yeah. Darian still set a franchise record that season for completion percentage. Did he really? Yeah, and it okay. kind, of, kind of flew under the radar. That's a number you would find. Final out. season is a rough rider. He set a single season record for completion percentage, which was then broken the following year by Kevin Glenn and will be broken this season by Cody Fajardo. Yep. Uh, so right off 2016, 
2017, the Riders led the league in touchdown passes with 35. That was on with Stephen McAdoo as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Last year was an absolute mess. But did, did, did anybody do Stephen McAdoo any favors? Look at the quarterbacking they had. Uh, look at the the receiving core they had. Shaq Evans has turned into a dominant receiver. Yeah. Kyron Moore's turned into a terrific receiver. But uh, they were both rookies at the time, and and and. They just yeah. didn't have much of a receiver. And Norman Roosevelt came back. He didn't have his, 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 his typical season that he's having right now. No. So he wasn't utilized as well as he should have He's got been. some weapons. I think Craig Dickinson has done Stephen McAdoo some favors that Chris Jones didn't do. Yeah. Uh, do him as far as, I think, just allowing him to. You're not saddling him with substandard personnel. Craig yeah. Dickinson has made sure that the offense has the personnel that's required to succeed. Stephen McAdoo has taken it from there. Riders have 25 rushing touchdowns. They had 25 offensive touchdowns yeah, all, a, all of yeah. last season. They've got 43 offensive touchdowns. They had 40 touchdowns, period, all of last season. And that includes 15 that weren't from the offense. So Stephen McAdoo, I think if you look at the body of work, as much criticism as he absorbed last year, he's done an admirable job here. Is and, he head uh, coaching material? Would you think people start looking at him for that? Is this enough of a season to give him, like, he wants to be a head coach. And there's going to be openings, you assume. Yeah. I wonder if people start looking at him for that again. I think he got a little bit. He might have talked to the writers a little bit. I don't know how far it is. Well, he is the assistant head coach. Here. Yeah, so he's got. Um, he's, he's has that. He yes. was interviewed for the job. I think Stephen McAdoo would be a good head coach yeah. because nothing gets to him. Nothing flusters him. He's good at um, kind of just ignoring the noise, such yeah. as that which we are creating. Um, he'll accept the criticism if it's there and realize it's part of the job. And if there's laurels, he doesn't. He does bathe yeah. in the adulation. He just does his job. He's got the, he's got the kind of level head yeah. and demeanor. I think that's and certainly resume and knowledge that it would, would make for a good head coach. But that, that's, we're, that's we down didn't the think road. we'd be talking about this a year ago. That's, did we? Yeah, that's down the road a whole long ways down the road to think about things like that. But I, I think we got to talk about Zach Kolaris on Friday night. Uh, good for him. Good for him. You know, good for him. And. What an amazing that touchdown pass to Dar, Darvin Adams was just. Amazing. Where was that guy last season? He would never. See, we, we were, I was looking at Calgary. And I was looking. We didn't back, see that Zach Kalaros last year. And he seems to have some luck against Calgary. Last year, he had like three hundred and fifty yards, some forty ninety four, three ninety four against Calgary in that game. Didn't throw a touchdown. Beat pass. Beat Calgary twice last year. I know. So he seems to have some something going against Calgary. And the, the else is, uh, and good for the good for the Bombers. You know, they're in the event to help the Riders out. And it was just it was almost it was like what a. There's a lot of a lot of good games this year. That game on Friday night was well into the great and beyond, and into the classic level. Just a, you wanted to watch every play because you knew something was going to happen. That you're just going to say, "Wow, what an amazing play!" And Calgary's drive at the end of the first half was just boom, 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 right down the field, score a touchdown, and then Kolaris steps up and outdoes them and the, to win the game for them and keep the Riders and, and took some hits. He took some hits too. Yeah. Speaking of taking hits, I think Cody Fajardo took a lot of hits too. Well, Derek Taylor did the numbers on the yeah. amount of times that that, that uh, Cody Fajardo was yeah. hit, I and mean, you could tell. I mean, he's he's one banged up quarterback, and I think that's also one benefit they can derive from securing first place on oh, yeah. Saturday if they can do it. A week's rest for Cody Fajardo, especially the way he plays. The fields are getting the playing surfaces are less forgiving than yeah. than at any other time in the year in November and. If he's going to play all out the way he always does, it's best to save him a, a week's worth of bumps well, and bruises. I don't think people realize how solid he is, though. It says, no, he's the, some of his college days says he weighed 233 in college. I don't know if he weighs <laughs> so, that so, now. So, so did I. Yeah, so did I, I guess. So. Uh, but he's solidly built. And, you know, he talked about how he was going to be in a nice pass a long time on Sunday, just trying to get his body back into shape. And I, 
think he's going to, he's, he's played that way all his life. So bouncing back from a, a lot of hits, mind you at the professional level, it's, it's men hitting men, which is a whole other thing, but I think he'll bounce back quite fine. It'll just, but the right, I don't, and I don't know if the offensive line played that badly. It's just the, Cal Edmonton's defensive line is really good. Yeah, I mean, Armando Sewell does some things yeah. to plays that that that's what Armando Sewell yeah, does. Do. Um, I mean, one of the sacks was actually a it was credited as a sack. It was actually Cody Fajardo positioning the ball for Brett Lowther. Yeah. and his game-winning field goals. Sometimes a botched run play ends up being credited as, as a sack. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought I thought in the stats it said team loss. It didn't say sack. I thought it said sack. Okay, I'll have to double check but, that. Uh, because I was looking at maybe that. Maybe it was on the CFL website as I was following the game live. Yeah. I, maybe. I was actually at the hockey game at the time. I know. So, yeah, that was maybe. It said, it said at that point Cody Pajardo sacked. No, it wasn't but, a sack. Because it said in the stats. Okay. Loss, so. uh, but, I, I apologize. But, that's all right. We can all make a little mistake. But, uh, no, it's, I think the discussion now has become, is Cody Pajardo the most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League? And that's what I wrote in Monday's paper and on Saturday. And I think you wrote it a couple times earlier than that, too. I think but, he's I mean, I, I banging just, that drum hard, buddy. You look at what he's done and, and the, the game changer he has been for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I know Brandon Banks is having a sensational year in Hamilton. But honestly, who's had a bigger effect on their team this, se this season? But it's the most outstanding. And right now the most outstanding player in the CFL, in my mind, is Brandon Banks. He, watching him on Saturday, he just owned that game. It just you look at him, I mean, how can he be that open? How can he be that fast? How can he do that? Three touchdowns. He just... He's 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 the most outstanding player on arguably the best team in the league. It's kind of a hard guy to vote against. And as much as that Cody has accomplished and Cody will accomplish, I, I think Brandon Banks is as a first year starting quarterback. Not, he could be a yeah. first place starting quarterback. Four comeback victories, leads the league in passing yards, rushes for ten touchdowns. I mean, Brandon Banks has scored I think fifteen touchdowns in total. Cody yeah. Fajardo's thrown scored ten as a quarterback. Yeah, that's a good point. Eight on design. Brandon runs. Banks has fifteen hundred receiving yards, which is pretty darn good. That that takes him beyond the point of just being a good great receiver. That takes him down there, and you take him off. Take either of those guys off either roster, and their teams are significantly weaker. So I guess yeah, you, we yeah, I'm, I have to still decide on that. Who, who I think I like, I like what I've seen from Brandon Banks. I've also seen, and I know where the riders would be without Cody Fajardo, and we wouldn't be talking about a home playoff game on no, Saturday. For, for we any, would be figuring garbage bag days on Tuesday. Yes, well, or Monday, Monday or Sunday. Yeah, like, that they've had before, and uh, the season would and, have been and, a garbage. And people bag. don't weigh in, and I know we're not, we're not. I don't want to weigh in. What he My does, gone to what he does away from the field too, and I know it's not part of this the award, but that's. That's pretty significant too. He's he's somehow elevated the quarterback position, which is a high pressure, high profile position. The people want to be part of it. They want to meet him. They they know him. He tells us stories. He lets us inside to see what he's like. Is he him? Like, I found his comments about the new contract. Was there pressure? Darn right, there was pressure on him. Yeah. I felt. Pre I'm thinking. Who says that, that? How's that refreshing to hear a guy say, "Yeah, I felt pressure." And I keep thinking, I keep, and I hear this kind of stuff. And every day you, you get in a scrum with Cody and you hear him say something that says, yeah, he's, he really is a normal guy who happens to have extraordinary skills. And that, that comment about feeling pressure, that's gold. Yeah. And you think about the week, he goes from signing the contract to leading the Rough Riders back on a game-winning drive and never really showing the pressure. No, even but, when there was adversity. He fumbles on the one-yard yeah, line. Yeah. Um, they they had the the... the botched third down gamble yeah. there were things that didn't go their way uh, and commonwealth stadium has historically been not been a great place for the rough riders i've to been play. there for some whippings and some uh, whippings boy but <laughs> so you're trailing 17-7 at halftime and then 
comes out in the third quarter and starts doing what Cody Fajardo does and leads a game-winning drive. That's what he does. I just, I can't imagine what kind of plight the Rough Riders would be in without oh, him. No. Um, well, what's, maybe, the, what's the baseball term? Wins above replacement? Well, maybe if Edmonton had pursued him instead of Logan Kilgore, maybe we have Logan Kilgore here, which is kind of an interesting thought. Or, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But, but if, they, you know, if he hadn't decided. But I somehow think when the Riders come courting, a lot of players start listening because they, they've seen the stadium. They've seen the crowd base. They've seen what you can do. And they see there's a little bit of money to be made here too. And I don't think that's – don't overlook that. It's still a professional organization. There's still, there's still jobs on the line. Well, so. if you look at Cody Fajardo, he's going to make north of $400,000 next year. Yeah. But what's his gross income going to be? When you factor in what he can do in the offseason, uh, what the, uh, the endorsements that he can yeah. get, I think you're talking about somebody who by the end of the – the, at the end of the day, when you just total up his accumulated income, I'm not sure he'll be making much less than Mike Rowley or Bo Levi Mitchell. When you look at everything he can cash in on in Saskatchewan, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't this, know could, if he's this gonna, could be a gold mine for him. I don't know if he's going to stay here in the off season this first year, and I think because his wife, yeah, but he can come up here and do he can do rip, a lot, you know like, blow off a week's worth of sports banquets, and, and yeah. uh, there's some nice money for the IRS to look at. Yeah, so, so he'll, he does have an opportunity. Uh, defense. Oh, let's just run this quickly through. Defense of Charleston Hughes. Charleston Hughes. Yeah. Not not the overwhelming choice that he yeah. appeared to be but, a month ago. Uh, if Solomon Alamimian hadn't missed the first few games, there might only be had, a debate here. If he had nine, if he averaged hit his average, he only had two defensive tackles on Saturday, I think, and he's not going to quite hit hundred. Kind of. Well, he, he needs eighteen to get there. He needs eighteen. That's going to. But it, had he not missed early in the season, Solomon Alamimian oh, oh, yeah. would be. In line for another. And another guy you say is the leader. The guys follow him and they yeah. respect him. Uh, Canadian will go to. Uh, I think it's. I'd uh, like to put in a, for defense. Um, Nick Marshall is really playing well. Yeah, he had an awful game in Hamilton in Ottawa week two. Nick Marshall is having a tremendous. Well, year. I'd like. So to I think throw that in, deserves. I'd like to throw in a plug for Mike Adam. Yes, he's having an he's having an amazing season, and he got he's getting sacks. He's blitzing. He's covering. He's doing everything. He's playing in the box. He's dropping back. On another year, he's definitely one of the guys in consideration. Derek Moncrief was in the conversation yeah, earlier about, in the year. Talk about maybe September, eh? Yeah. But they slowed down a little bit. Uh, what were, so what was the next category? Uh, Canadian, we go, Canadian, Cameron Judge, I think. Yeah, that's, without, that's a – because of Mike Edham, I don't think it's automatic, but Cameron yeah. Judge has become a terrific player. Yeah, he really year. is. And, uh, so is, and so that's kind of automatic. Dan, uh, Dan Clark's, a, I think, uh, worthy, worthy, worthy of discussion. you've got to throw in Thaddeus Coleman. I know he's had some tough holding penalties and whatnot, but I think – in my mind, it would. I didn't I th- even. Oh, I thought we were talking about Canadian. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about offensive linemen. We, who knows what we're talking about? And Dan, Dan Clark would be in the mix. Mike but Adam. Um, you know, Brett Lowther's made three game winning kicks this yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think he's in the. Uh, Mac Henry's played well when he's had the opportunity. Yeah, but so there's a few. Uh, but none, Corey but, Watson has had a good year. Yeah, I so know, there's but a few Canadians. Not, not award worthy No, but I'm just. That's the field of Canada. But I like. Wade Cameron judges, you know, he moves, yeah. starts the year, the middle linebacker sharing time with Sam Hurl, and then moves over to weak side when uh, Solomon shows up, and boom, he just takes off, and he's doing it. He, he also has his 11 special teams tackles. So here's a guy who's a starter, plays all four teams on special teams. It's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive yeah. Canadian. He could That's, be uh, whatever he could be. The Canadian's a little interesting with him because he's kind of like your pseudo-Canadians. That's the way the rules work, but that's so good for him. Offensive line, Dan Clark. Dan Clark. Yeah. Thaddeus Coleman's had a. I mean, this would be the Brendan Labatt Award had he been able to play for most yeah. of the year. Well, I don't. I would but, think the way Dan. Clark, you, I'm not going to forget where Dan Clark was in May, May first, yeah. well, May early in May. He was a guy we're thinking, holy smokes, we may never yeah. play again. To 
fights his way back from training camp, gets on the field, hasn't missed a start, hasn't missed a game, and but if Brandon Labatt's there for the first year, he's probably for the whole year, he's probably an all star again. And then yeah, you, you, I think Dan might be an all star too. You know, it's it's that defensive line is so tough too. And they've had so much; they've been such a state yeah. of flux there for most yeah. of the year, and uh, yeah. their depth has paid off. And uh, you know, Thaddeus Coleman's had a good year. Uh, they've pretty much everybody they put out there has helped. Yeah, but they, they wouldn't be putting up the numbers. Dan has been solid every. He's game. been the one constant. Yeah. All year, who's just uh, so, you know, Thaddeus Coleman was was a healthy scratch earlier in the year yeah. too. Whereas he's hurting though; he's he's yeah. moving pretty slowly off the field. He's, I don't know how these guys sometimes. Yeah, what a what a warrior he is! Oh, the big guys. And what was the last one we had? Uh, so uh, offensive, uh, defensive, special Canadian special teams player. Yeah, I, I say John Ryan. I don't think there's anybody else. He's going to break the rider record, barring a, a series of absolute negative yardage punts on Saturday. John Ryan's going to set a rider record for. Punting average in a season. The record is 47.4 by Ken Clark. Uh, John Ryan's currently at 49. He'd been at 50, over 50 for uh, most of the year. So I think John Ryan's a good candidate for special teams. Uh, Alexander Gagne's got 15 special teams. And he also does, part of people don't realize, he snaps on field goals. Because for some reason, uh, John Ryan didn't like the snaps from field goals by Jordan Hughes. So they've somehow, Jordan Hughes snaps on punts. So... Overlook, yeah, Gagne's played a great season. and uh, They returned a couple of kicks for touchdowns. Lucia's yeah. Purifoy has got better, one of the better kickoff return averages in the league. Marcus Thigpen also took one yeah. the distance. Uh, Brett Lowther but this, doesn't, doesn't have last year's numbers, but he's still having a really good year. Yeah. But there's there's no one that – I hate John Ryan's record. So he doesn't, he, there's, there's holes in his game this year. I think the fact that his – his net punting average isn't, isn't where he should be, and he's not punting as much inside the outside the numbers. And I, and I know that's coverage, and there's all sorts of other issues, but he's not a, a lock in my mind. I think just because he's got that high punting average, and they still gonna break a record. They're still adapting to him, though. I still think they're still trying to figure out what he's going to do. And but on, I take that back. On Saturday, the weather conditions where he could dictate it with his strong, strong leg, and I think that's. Maybe that's where he's going to come through, and going to be the, his his leg is so strong that in this weather, that's going to be like obviously winter's here to stay. That I think it could be more of a, and I know the record is exciting, but even he talks about how the fact is he needs that that net punting average need to be. Oh sure, that's where the number he really. But John that's, Ryan's had a really good year. He's had a really, and he's going to be the specialist. I don't know who's going to happen across the league, but I think he's going to be. And do we get rookie? Uh, rookie Dakota Shepley. Dakota Shepley. Uh, I was thinking of. There's someone else whose name I looked at. Sean Adowu. Adowu Sean. He's been good on special teams, has a sack. But, yeah, uh, but that's, this is Dakota Shepard. Dakota Shepard. And even the fact he's been bumped from this lineup because of uh, Philip Blake's return. and Dakota Shepley will be a starter for the next 12 or 13 years. Yeah. So for some, do you think he'll, I think he's got one more year left on his contract, too, because he signed two in an option. So they got him for another year. I thought they signed him going into this season. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So. Yes, you're right. I apologize. Sorry. So showing I, my age. So yeah. I mean, so he's got two more. That's what I'm thinking. Two more seasons with him, and he's going to be oh, good. I mean, he's a foundational player for that yeah. offensive line. And uh, to co- this, I mean, who knows the way this season's gone? We haven't on voted on line. it yet, but coach of the year. This is an interesting one. Uh, I, I'm really warming up to the Craig Dickinson. Yes, especially if 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 he ends up finishing first. Considering everything that was thrown in front of him, and he was—he almost seemed like a default candidate for the job at one yeah. point. The Riders wanted to talk to Paul Lapolice. They wanted to talk to Jamie Elizondo. They were denied permission to talk to either person. That's not yeah. to imply that 
they preferred either candidate to Craig Dickinson, but they were looking around. Craig Dickinson ended up getting the job. Look what he's done. He's done. And what he's done, I like, and among other things, is how he's handled Cody, which is obvious. He lets his guys coach. He's not, there's no, and I'm not sure Chris Jones was as free with his guys. I think there was some. Well, Chris Jones was his own guy when he yeah. came to the defense. So he ran his own defense. But Jason Shivers has stood up. He's had an amazing season as a first-year DC. Stephen McAdoo, all these other guys, all these other coaches, they get to do their jobs, and then they come and they deal with him. And I think that's been a good sign. Orlando Steinhauer has had a pretty good season, too, because he's lost his starting quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, he's found a guy like 14-3. and three. I know. Like, how do you not say, yeah, that's a coach of the year candidate. I have a coach. And Kahari Jones has got to be thrown into the mix a little bit. I, oh, not a little bit, quite I a mean, bit. I mean, in a different year, any one of those three guys yeah. is a but lot. But I don't think there's anybody in the West that really – does anybody in the West – Well, you know, if, uh, Dave, if, Dave Calgary, Dickens, if Calgary finishes first, Dave Dickinson is yeah. worth talking Because he about. lost his starting quarterback too. So I guess that kind of means – I don't think we won't be but, seeing – But if a Dickinson wins that war, award, it will be Craig. Yeah, I think so, it will be too. Uh, be, and good for him. He's earned it, and I think he's got this long-term contract. He's got his quarterback locked up for quite a while. He's got – you know, they're going to have some free agents. Neiman Roosevelt becomes a free agent. Chuck Evans becomes a free agent. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the tab goes up for Cody Fajardo on the on the salary cap by more than $200,000, probably yeah. closer to two fifty. Which, But every team, that's kind of the going rate for quarterbacks. So it's, yeah. it's, it shouldn't be. But they're, they're, they've got a luxury this they've year. They've got a luxury. They sh- it shouldn't be a big adjustment to their quarterback getting paid quarterback money. They're going to have to find other ways to do it. And I think yeah. that's. I'm just Jeremy O'Day. And if they had a GM of the year, and we don't have that award. I don't know why there's not an executive of the year award. No, I think Jeremy, Jeremy O'Day's done an amazing job. Yeah, but then who's who's, who's Hamilton's? I forget who. They've got the, the committee. Well, the, the committee, the consulting committee. So that's, you know, whoever was Eric Tillman put a lot of that team in place. That's true, too. This, and don't forget, a lot of this team is still Chris Jones. I don't think we can overlook that fact that no. Chris Jones has brought in a lot of these guys. And John and, Murphy too. John and Murphy John, brought yeah. in a lot of those. Players. I know we're kind of we, we've said this before. But don't we we may disparage and say things about Chris Jones, but we both realize that this Chris Jones laid the foundation of this team starting when he came over in uh, in sixteen after that with that huge class of free agency signed like Ed Ganey and uh, all these guys, and they they kind of and didn't most of them bombed. Yeah, Ed I know, Ganey but Ed Ganey. But do you think about it? It's funny. Ed Ganey was, we were talking, I kind of told him I would never talk about that East semifinal when Craig Ellingson scored that touchdown against him and he fell down. I've told You've him, talked about it again, though. Yeah, no, I did. I promised I wouldn't. But Ed Ganey is, and I don't know if Ed's had his strongest year. It's been a. He's still a guy you want back there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Ed Ganey will, I think if it comes down to. You need a big play from Ed Ganey. If Ed Ganey's one of your concerns, you don't have many concerns. Exactly. If you were drilling that deep to find a deficiency and you identify Ed Ganey as a possible deficiency, yeah. what does that say about your team? Exactly. I think that's, that's, that's a you great. Can, you can turn that around. That's a great secondary. I think, you know, we're kind of looking at that kind of stuff. That's, you know, Nick Marshall, Ganey, Adam Purifoy. LJ McCray had himself a game, 10 defensive tackles from the from the weak side. Like, yeah. The ball doesn't go there very often. He was hustling around to get the tackles, gets like yeah, a pick. huge pick and that kind of stuff. So that was really kind of a one of those moments that I think the secondary deserves a little bit more credit. But we've kind of a lot of kudos going around, but I guess that happens. What do you do? I mean, How, you, and we don't get these opportunities. Do you want to find – so let's – can we find a hole? Maybe 
The only one, and I know it's just because, and it's not even a whole, but Brett Lowther is a, fi- a bit finger-crossing still because he's not the Brett Lowther he was last well, year. Well, 85.7 isn't bad. I know, but that still gets some eighth or ninth in the, in the league. league. Six in the league today. Going but he's, he's three for three on game-winning kicks. I know. If it comes down to a game-winning kick, and Brett Lowther is so standing that, that's behind how the bad, That's how yeah. bad we are trying to be unbiased is we're digging for hole, digging for something to say, yeah, this is something they got to work on. And they're really, maybe their return game is kind of, I don't know, when's the last time, when they had a big return while that Purefoy won against BC, they got called back. Marcus Thigpen had a nice kickoff return to begin the game in Calgary. Yeah. Hey, did you notice he Shaq bobbled Ev- it. He bobbled it. To Shaq start. Evans, the catch that he, his first long reception against Edmonton, that was pretty much the same play that they didn't complete to start the game off in Calgary. Right. Same double move. Yeah. And did you notice that Cody Fajardo took a little bit off the ball? Shaq Evans probably could have got more yardage yeah. there if the pass had been thrown with more authority. But that was the same play, same move, same yeah. pretzelized defender. And Shaq Evans is wide open down the right side. They completed it this time. That's a good point, yeah. But, and yeah, but I, I, I'd like to ask Cody Fajardo, did you purposely pull the string on that a little just to make sure yeah. you com- completed that pass? He'd probably tell you. you know, and uh, I, yeah. I'd, that it worked, and that was yeah. that was a, you know, that was a pretty. Yeah, we forgot. Game. William Powell got over a thousand thousand yards again, again. So if he's got a bonus contract, bonus for a thousand yards in his contract, no, does he get that twice? I don't think so. So. <laughs> Good, another good pickup by Jeremy O'Day. You know, we remember back to that free agent day. We're thinking, well, William Powell's a good pickup. Micah Johnson's a good pickup. Who the heck's Cody Fajardo? Yeah, Other the than the guy that scored the game-winning touchdown in the East final, I kept the Riders from going the Great Cup. Kind of sticks out. Yeah, that one just kind of flew right under the radar. So much, yeah. so much of the talk was about Zach Kalaros resigning, Bo Levi Mitchell not resigning, and this franchise quarterback was just kind of. I mean, so William Powell got overshadowed that day. Mike Johnson got overshadowed that day because so much of the the talk was about the quarterbacking situation. Okay. We're going to try a little bit of going. Heritage Classic filled good sized crowd for this. Jets won too. That was crucial. Pat's game, good crowd. I think we could considering the 15, condition. Fifteen thousand people. That was the largest uh, crowd to watch a junior yeah. hockey game in Regina. That's a good crowd. What do you think Saturday's going to be like? It's going to be pretty miserable leading up to that. So that means pregame ticket sales might be a little off. If I don't. don't, I don't if you don't, don't sell this one out, what does it take to sell out a regular well, I don't, season? I don't, that's game? what I'm thinking. Like they are playing for first place. Yeah, I know. So, but if you're this buying happened, a ticket, this has happened. You, you, just think what you've had to do in Regina. Just Garth Brook tickets, regardless of if you went. That's to, country music. Yeah, matter. I know. But but in Heritage Classic tickets, Pat's just tickets. one. That was good. <laughs> and then you got a football game now, in probably cold conditions, where your team's going to get first. The Riders are playing for first place know, at home. So, so what does it How say? How often does this it, happen? What happens if it doesn't sell out? What does it say? Does it say something? The CFL has a huge problem with. There's only been rather one sellout this year. Two. That's the that's the one, that, and that's the game they're always going to sell out. Yeah, and that's that's a gimme. There's not a lot of them across. The, there was no way there was whatever Edmonton said that many people in the stands. Was it was in 29 or something. Yeah, well, that was the announced crowd, and they all left pretty early because it was cold there too. But I hate talking about it. I hate ten, tennis as a sign. It's it's it's. it's it doesn't indicate people are home watching on TV, but that doesn't put money. Actually, it does. But this is a his, historic regular season know, game. It's, for the it's probably the most important game, well, in 10 years, I guess. For the home game. games. You know, November 7th of 2009 was the yeah. last time. Uh, I don't, I've only seen them play for first at home once. Yeah. And I'm 55 years old. And I've been but, going to Ryder games since, since, since the early 70s yeah. on a regular basis. So it is. It's a huge game. And in 76, when they finished first, they were in Calgary. Yeah. They, it's they, also a 2 o'clock kickoff. 
I, I heard, and people tell me, like, and some people complain about the Heritage Classic being an 8 o'clock face-off. The city was buzzing. I heard downtown was just packed. Businesses gained from having that late time. You know, 2 o'clock, no one gains anything. You get breakfast and go to the game and you probably go home. But you know, yeah. and people are saying that's a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. Well, if you're looking at the Rough Riders, <laughs> if you're looking at the Rough Riders playing for first place at home, that for me, that's the game in 2009 still ranks as a once in a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be a twice in a lifetime for me. And I've been following this team forever. You don't get that chance very often. There's mm-hmm. there's been a lot of home playoff games, uh, which uh, we, we couldn't say once upon a time. But they they've happened with some mm-hmm. regularity. It happened last year, but. Playing for first place at your home stadium, if, if that doesn't pack the stadium, what does it take? So what happens to this team that's rolling and doing everything well doesn't get first place? I know that's – people have perceived that, but that's a reality. It could happen. Do they – are they – does that mean they're, they're done? Does no. that does that – they still have a home playoff game, but we haven't seen It's this. a letdown, but this yeah. team – They have they've, – they've handled adversity well, but this that would be big-time adversity because all they've talked about since – September is home is a home playoff. It's probably game. not a good ticket seller for the home playoff game the following week. You've just you've yeah. just blown your opportunity at, at at home to clinch first place. So that's not a great marketing tool no. for the West semifinal. It might detract from some of the ha- the hype, and that game might feel somewhat obligatory. But guess what? What is Zach Kalaros is quarterback in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for that well, game? Pretty he's got to be eh? pretty good storyline there. How do you not keep going with him, barring go. an injury? Yeah, like Chris. If you go with Chris Trevler, you're saying you're giving it up, and then. Chris Trevler is a running quarterback who has to throw the ball every now and again. Zach Kolaris can do, and he's going to have three weeks or two weeks at least to get in shape for that game. And you cross your fingers. Or that shot that he took, was it McManus who hit him with that low shot that kind of grazed his head? Boy, yeah, that was just kind of scary to see yeah. that happen. I mean, I'd love to be proven wrong on this one. And I, generally it's not a great feeling when your column is totally discredited. And I've written several times that Zach Kalaro should not play anymore. It's it's a it's a risk for him to play. It's a risk for anybody to trade for him, etc. But see, that's why I disagree with you. you no, know I disagree. I'd with love you? to be wrong here. The doctors have cleared him to play. That's how I've come around to this. He is cleared to play. Once upon a time, Buck Pierce was cleared to play. I know, Once so upon Matt a time, Dugan. Matt Dunnigan was. Cleared <laughs> I know. To play. I'm just saying but, we were cleared to do this podcast. Was that a good idea? But how do you say to a guy? Everything is fine. You can play, but we don't want you to play because we're afraid you're going to get hurt. That's not how football works. That's that's the part with gets me with Zach. And I've become around to that. They've told him he could play. It's not like the Western semifinal last year where they told us he would play and he wasn't at any attention. Well, I don't think they ever explicitly said that he would play, did they? Well, He was at the press conference the day before the game, which if the starting quarterback yeah. is at a press conference the day before a playoff game, Chances are you would, TSN you would think he's going prepared to play. All of its pregame stuff based on Zach Kolaris playing. And the only thing that David, I remember talking to In the to meantime, Dave, they're signing Drew Tate. Yeah, and Dave Naylor happens to bump into somebody in the hallway in the Delta, and they said, oh, yeah, he's not playing. And Dave Naylor went, Dave Naylor told me, says, TSN we went, whew. Like, not the fact that Dave Naylor had the scoop that now they could address their pregame stuff that, Dave, that Zach Kolaris wasn't playing, which doesn't mean anything, but it still means a whole lot to the network yeah. that – and I, I, I simul think, and I'm, I've had talked to a couple of people about this, that I think that rattled the riders. I think being part of that overall lie, they didn't like that. I they think, didn't handle it well at all. Can, it was a I charade talk, all week. And if, you, if there's uncertainty about your starting quarterback going into a playoff game and you're playing games with that, with that yeah. scenario, what does that say about your level of preparedness for a well, playoff I game? I still remember, and I've seen Brandon Labatt and Cameron Marshall and Zach all sitting at the front 
at the podium on the pregame day, and they don't even look at us. And they're usually kind of, it just didn't have the feel looking back in hindsight, of course, because I know I've never wrong with my hindsight, that it didn't have the feel of the excitement of a home playoff game and stuff. They just seemed something amiss looking back now and, and having seen what's happened and seen what's gone on from that time point. But, you know, the riders, this one they're going in, and this one, the next one, there's no issues. Uh, I think if the riders get up ahead, get a, get, a, get a big score on the Eskimos, which is a possibility, I think the code will be yanked and then no. I'm not presuming anything. No. I Strange yeah. things can happen. This is the Canadian Football League, and I go back to 1976 when Calgary had nothing to play for. Okay. You know, you never, you never really know. As, if you look at rider history, nothing can be presumed. Nothing. It's kind of like the Bills, Buffalo yeah. Bills and all that stuff. When the riders finish first, generally that portends a disappointing ending to the regular season. They yeah. finish five, first five well, times I don't think, I don't think the way this – They haven't won the Great Cup in any of those games. I don't think this season can have a disappointing end, regardless of what have happened, the way things have gone – this is a team that's set up. We talk about this Great Cup next year. They've they've created enough hype and enough excitement around there with enough younger young players who might still be around to create these things. This is not a disappointing season, regardless of even how if it they ends. finish first and then don't get to a Great Cup. I think even if they win. finish first, I think there's enough that's gone on for this season. You and I have seen many reasons seasons that have just fallen apart, and I still remember how I felt back in June when Zach Kolaris was carried off the field, helped off the field, and I thought this season was over. And from that point, they're playing for first. Came as close as they could with a first-year starter. It's not a disappointment. But this is still the flagship franchise of the Canadian Football League. And this is a team that, that feels that it should be. Oh, they this, should be, yeah. They, they talk about sustained success. Yeah. Um, this is a team that if it wins on Saturday, will have 13 victories. That's the first time they will have won 13 games since the 18-game regular season was introduced in 1986. So you have your best regular season. Yeah. Under the 18-game format, if you don't get to the Grey Cup, let alone win, how does that not classify as a disappointment, especially I, since that would entail a loss at home? At home, that and all that stuff is final. very true. I just think if, if you look at 1970 and 14-2, and, and that's great. They set a rider record for victories in the season. But what do people remember? They remember that they didn't get to the Grey Cup when they were 14-2. and two. Yeah. So point, how does I, that not I classify think, as a major disappointment? I think looking at all the things, and we talk about adversities and up and downs and things that have gone their way and things that haven't gone their way. First-year head coach, first-year starting quarterback, uh, you know, young receivers who have caught on the game. I think it's a team that is building, and how can be disappointed in a, in a year that's been But aren't we, isn't that a July or August conversation? Are we not um, at the point now where, okay, they've proven they have that cred. It's no longer a real surprise that they're doing this anymore. It's an amazing story, but yeah. they're at the point now where I don't think they can settle. I don't think anybody well, else I don't think they're going to settle, but I'm just saying that I think we'll look back and say this season was better. I mean, you're going to talk about it as a success regardless. Yeah. But do you, do what it, if you put an asterisk beside this season, if you're referring to it as a qualified success, is that a disappointment considering the, the, the level to which the, and the tier to which expectations have ascended? Yeah. Look what well, they've the, done the expectations are high, and we and we we both like him. That's a Jim Hobson thing. That's a you know we expect to be in the playoffs, and now we expect to be in the Great Cups, and all that stuff is part. Of it. And I expect them. I will they be in the Great Cup? Who knows? I think they have probably not because I predicted on the Waggle podcast today that they would uh, they would get to the Great Cup. I think they would. Get the to, I think they're going to get to. They're either going to get to the Great Cup. I think they're going to get to the Great Cup, too. I just brought up that disappointing stuff is something that we can talk about. I think they're going to get to the Great Cup, too. I'd be very surprised if you and I are in Calgary for the 
for the Grey Cup game and watch. Well, they can't afford to feed both of us, Murr. I'm going to be eating uh, bird seed. That's true, too. Or you're going to be eating bird seed. Well, I still like my burgers and stuff. Uh, I want to talk Uh, about your book. I was was looking through your book, and I was wondering, because I'm going to feed you this, who's the character? Who's the character that stands out when you're – because you you talk to all these people in your book. Who's the character in that that people are going to say, huh, that's kind of a strange dude? Oh, goodness. Um yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna hold the book up here. Yeah, to what, right here. I, how do you tell? How can you tell that we're uh, not yeah. uh, broadcasters by profession? This there is my go. new book. It's called. Well, you can read what it's called. It's a hundred cool things about the Rough Riders. It's actually the title's a little misleading. There's 120. Uh, of course, because you could never limit yourself to a hundred. They said they told me no, I could write. Can't. It's like potato chips. <laughs> they told they told me. I could write some sidebars. So I wrote 100 chapters and 20 little sidebars. Um, of course you did. <laughs> I wish I could have included Cody Fajardo in there. Yeah. Uh, I, might have to, I might write a column and call it the 101st chapter. Yeah. Uh, he, re- he reminds me a lot, and I wasn't alive back then, but when Glenn Dobbs was with the Rough Riders in 1951, and this player comes in and people fall in love with him instantly, and there's a Glenn Dobbs chapter in here. And if you look at, I think, characters and maybe parallels to today, I think Cody Fajardo, that's probably what Glenn Dobbs was like in 1951. This, yeah. this character that this amazingly nice, wholesome human being coming up from the United States and, and he's painting the fence with Ryder fans. Now, before the 51 season, they, the, the Taylor Field fence needed painting. So all the fans grab buckets of paint, cans of paint, and paint brushes. They're painting the fence. And there's Glenn Dobbs painting the fence beside them. I could see yeah. Cody Fajardo doing that. Yep. You know, I, so there's a Glenn Dobbs chapter in here. If you, if you read that, there may be, you may think, oh, okay, maybe I'm seeing this player in a contemporary so, context. So do you think this would make a good Christmas gift, I Rob? think it would make, <laughs> I should get you to promote the book. You're way more adept at this than I am. Um, I think it's, a, it's I, I promised myself I would not say this, but it really makes it a great stocking stuff. And wouldn't so, it, is, is it, and I have to admit. Keep here. I'm not good at this. It's in a special part of my house that is reserved for sitting, and it's a bathroom book. It oh. is a, I know. You've ruined not, me. It's not a bad thing to have a book that's got short reads and stuff. And you can bathroom. open this book anywhere and find. Uh, a short read, find, 120 uh, things. See, here's number 12. Where uh, it's a bit, Davis Sanchez. When I was on the Waggle podcast today, uh, Davis ordered the book on Amazon. It's apparently available November fifth. It's at McNally Robinson in Saskatoon. I'll be doing a book signing there on November twenty seventh at seven p.m. So I hope to meet any Saskatoonians okay. who come out that night. And it, sh- it should be available at all fine bookstores in early November. That's our, that's our producer Austin Davis, by the way. How many books have you written now? Three point two. Three point two. I did a book in the sixty-six. Did you include your books? One hundred things to read before you die. <laughs> I, there's an extensive bibliography in here. So I did the sixty-six book, the eighty-nine book. I did a sh- I did a portion of the writer history book that came out in twenty ten, and now this one. It should be. I'm told November fifth is is the uh, date. So. Look forward to that. Mary, Indoors all week. Indoors. What, what difference do you think that will make if any? Oh, it's, they're going to get a lot more work done. They wouldn't get any work done now. Today would just be fighting the conditions. I've seen that happen in the past. If you're, but uh, they'll probably have their walkthrough on Friday outdoors. But they also can't get in the stadium because it's still being torn down from here to from the Heritage Classic. So they were going to be outdoors at the U of I regardless. The fact that it's weather's bad and they move to Affinity Place means they don't have to have the bus ride to back and forth to uh, – U of R to do their stuff. So it's indoors if they want that 
There you go. That's once again Austin trying thinking better questions. That's Austin Davis. Are, Can I pump my own tires a little bit? Sure. Day 75, a great cup fit up. 25 days left to go to be in shape. I'm hoping the, to make it to day one. Yeah, of, uh, hoping to make it. It's been, uh, this is going to be the tough part. This is all uphill from here from all the all the things that are going on in my life and in football. So it's going to be interesting part. It's a pretty cool community to be part of. So I'm glad I got involved. Anyway, we ready? Do it. Sign us off. If Where's you, the theme song? If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a view <laughs> and a five-star waiting. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray, or myself, sorry, at Murray LP, <laughs> also on Twitter. And, and, and please buy my book. It's just, fine stock just read stuff. his book. It's a fine stock and stuff. It'll be for many Christmases to come and That's stick fine. it in your bathroom. <laughs> With that glowing endorsement, I sign off respectfully. Uh, for our producer, Austin Davis, uh, for Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. Thanks for doing this. We'll do this again next week with certainly lots to discuss for the 70 milestone 75th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Thanks for your time today and take care. <laughs>